Well, so much to learn from that life, and there's so much to learn from the Bible characters that we read about. So let's have a little bit of a look at this. And having read this, we see we find God gives Abraham some very, very clear instructions. One of the things I've learned over 40 plus years of walking with the Lord, if we listen, he gives us clear instructions. Sometimes it doesn't make sense. But actually, those clear instructions can often be the saving of our lives. I remember a few years ago, I was driving down the M4 to go and visit my parents. My parents live the other side of London. And I'm driving down the M4 in what appeared to be an empty M4. That was me, traveling at 70 miles an hour. And I was just getting to Slough. And you know, the, you, know you get to Junction 7. You always used to know when you got to Junction 7, didn't you, on the motorway. If those of you who have driven that years ago will know what I mean. And I was heading towards Junction 6. And I this voice in the car said, get off the motorway. I'm like, what? The motorway's clear. Why do I need to get off the motorway? Get off the motorway. So I thought, get off the motorway. So I pulled over, but it's still clear. There was a few cars coming past me, but it was clear motorway. And I thought, this is mad. So at Junction 6, I went down the slip road, and out the corner of my eye, I saw bits of car going up in the air. Apparently, I later discovered a lorry had crossed the central reservation at that junction. And those people who were traveling the other way, if if I hadn't got off the motorway, I would have been involved in that accident. I went down the slip road. God said, get back on the motorway. I went round the roundabout up the other side. Looked back in the rearview mirror. I could see carnage on the motorway behind me. God very clearly told me to get off the motorway. You see, God very clearly spoke to Abraham and called him and told him, look, I want you to leave where you are. Did it make common sense, as we'll see in a moment? Probably not. But you see, one of the things is, is that he started not knowing where he was going. But in order to get some context on this for Abraham, let's go back into chapter 11. So if we can go back to chapter 11, please. There we go. Brilliant. And it says the following. Okay, we find at the end of Genesis chapter 11, we find the genealogy. Okay, how many of you like genealogies? Oh, good, I'm glad I've got a few people. Okay, if you've ever sat and read the genealogy of Jesus all the way through, you know, I'd encourage you to do it, but then take a break with all the characters and have a look at them. You'll be, you'll be there for a while. But you see, when we look, jump back to, to Genesis chapter 11, let's just read this. The first. Verses 27 through to uh, 29, it says, This is the genealogy of Terah. And it says, Terah begat Abraham, Nahor, and Haran. And Haran begat Lot. And Haran died before his father, Terah, in the native land of Ur of the Chaldeans. And then Abraham and Nahor took wives, and the name of Abraham's wife was Sarah. And the name of Nahor's wife, Mekah, was the daughter of Haran. And the father of Mekah, the name, sorry, the father of Iscah. But Sarah was barren and had no children. You see, one of the things is, is that when we look at this, you see, the Bible very clearly gives us this genealogy. And this is important for this. So if we have a look at the next slide, please, we will come back to the bottom. Here we find here, here we find this genealogy. And this is the great thing. I can just move over and we can have a look. So here we find the word terror. And the Bible very clearly tells us that terror had three sons. Okay, now what I quite like is when you think about the names. 
Okay, but Haran, I just want to mention here, because we'll talk about that again in a minute. Haran means camel stop. Okay, can you imagine when Terah was calling for his sons, and he called to Haran, it's a little, my little whelp sense of humor. Can you imagine being called, camel stop, come for dinner? You know, you can sort of see. But, but what's important here, okay, is that he had three sons, Abraham we know about, and we will talk about that one a bit later on. Nahor another son, and Haran. Now, Haran had Lot. Now, we're probably familiar with Lot, and we'll come back to Lot in a minute. But also had two daughters, Milcah and Iscah. And actually, Milcah married Nahor, okay? And they had children, okay? In those days, it was not unusual for that to happen. Obviously, there were Bejis. And they were dwelling, when all this was going on, they were dwelling in the Ur of the Chaldees, and you see, we find this, this particular piece about the family tree there. And Nahor married and actually had 12 children. Okay, there are eight of them here listed from Genesis 22. Very interesting if you were to look at some of the names and some of the ways they fit into biblical history. So he had eight from the marriage and four from his concubine who were not named. But you see, it says... That actually, as we know from when we read in verse 30, it said that Abraham did not have any children. Now, in Jewish culture, if you didn't have children, that was a disgrace. You were not in God's blessing. That's something that we need to be aware of. But you see, if we actually move on and just look at carrying on reading, if we can just carry on to the next slide before we come come back to that one again. Okay, let's just read on because this is important. And it says, Terah took his son Abraham and his grandson Lot, the son of Haran, and his daughter-in-law Sarah, his son Abraham's wife, and they went out with them from Ur of the Chaldeans to go to the land of Canaan. So Terah, Abraham's dad, was called to go to Canaan. But we've just read, hang on, Abraham went to Canaan. Yes, because there is something important went on here. You see, one of the things it says, it says they came to Haran and dwelt there. So the days of Terah were 205 years. And where did Terah die? He died in Haran. But where was he called to go to? He was called to go to Canaan. And you see, one of the important things was he started out on the journey. He was called of God to go to the land of Canaan. But he actually stopped at Haran. He dwelt there and he died there. And you see, that's quite important. If you just have a look at, if you can have a look at the map, please, which is the next one. You see, when we look here, we find here Ur down here in Chaldea. Okay, if very famous, you'll find if you talk about, read about Daniel, that all refers to various things going on down here. And they traveled up this distance here to a place called Haran. And then eventually, as we'll look in a minute, Abraham came down as far as here to Bethel. Now, if you look at the map and if you do the Google thing, anybody else do like I do the Google thing to look at distances? It's very interesting. Here's a fact for you. From there... Through to there is 1,400 miles. How far do you think it is? Anybody want to guess where Haran is? 
It's exactly halfway. You see, Terah had a call to go to Canaan. But can I tell you, he got stuck halfway because it seemed a nice place. And one of the things that has really challenged me was that he actually got distracted en route. Okay, Haran might have been a lovely place. It was actually called Camel Stop. And he named one of his sons Camel Stop, hadn't he? Because actually down here, this was on the main arterial road. You know, it's a bit like Reading Station. If you go to Reading Station, you can go anywhere in the world, can't you? You can go anywhere in the country from Reading Station. Haran was a bit like that. Okay, people from the east came and stopped at Haran before the, then the trade routes went north and they went south. And Tehran got stuck there. You see, one of the things is, for us as Christians, we mustn't get stuck somewhere. We have to be, while dwelling in Haran, everything seemed good and they prospered while they were there. But actually, that was not what God's final plan was for them. You see, if you like, he got stuck halfway. He failed in what God had called to him to do. And one of my passions is, is that actually I want to get to the end of my life as it talks about that race in Hebrews. I want to get to that point where at the end of time, when God you know, says, right, you know, you've done everything you need to do, that God will be able to say, good and faithful servant, enter into your rest, because I have done everything that God has called me to do. And that is one of my passions. You see, Terah still had plenty of life left. He'd got 60 years And if we knew we had still 60 years to go, I think we'd be very happy, you know. I must admit that uh, I had a big birth, my 60th birthday, a couple of years ago. And I must admit I'm not quite as surprised. I wish I was still 35 and retired. (laughs) You know, you know, with, you know, all the bits and pieces that we've got now, but still feeling as sprightly as I did then. But you see, one of the things that's very important for us is to fulfill that which God has called us to. And if we just go back to that uh, passage in, go on to the next slide, into, go back to Genesis 12, you see. One of the things is, is that having his dad, that's the one, yep. Having, having his dad failed in his calling, you know, he got stuck. What did God do? God still had a plan for this family. And that's important that even if we've got stuck somewhere, we can still get up and go and get on with what God has called us to do. You know, I mean, I, I, if you have an opportunity, one of the things I have a real passion for is reaching the young people in our schools with the gospel. When I was a teacher, I was under great restriction as to what I can and can't say. Be honest with you, I say what I like now. I work on because I'm not under that kind of restriction. And I must admit, a number of students come to me and they say, you'll tell us the truth, what do you think? And if I do that, then I can say what I think. But you see, God called, that having Terran got stuck and God knew he weren't going to move on. He then spoke to Abraham, his son, and said, look, I want you to fulfill this calling on your life. And it says, and we read again in Genesis 12, and it says, Right there, I would just want to pick up on verse 3 because of time. But it says, I will bless those who bless you and I will curse those who curse you. That must have been really assurance to Abraham. He was going to do all sorts of bits and pieces in his life that weren't very sensible. 
But that underlining blessing upon God because he was trying to be as much as he could in the center of God's will. And look what he was. He said he was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. We don't know how long he was there for. But if we look at the next, next bit in Genesis 5 and read on from verses 5 to 8. And it says the following. It says, then Abraham took his wife, Sarah his wife, and Lot his brother's son and all their possessions. They had left with not a lot. But in the time in which they had been in Haran, it says, all the possessions that they had gathered and the people whom they had inquired in Haran... And they departed to go to the land of Canaan. So they came to the land of Canaan. God had blessed that family. It would have been very easy to stay there because they gained all this stuff. But you see, God wanted them to move on. He had something more for Abraham. And it says, And Abraham passed through the land to the place of Shechem, as far as the Terebath tree in Moreh. And it says, The Canaanites were in the land. It's very interesting to say, if you know about the, anything about the Canaanites, they were little giants. You know, when we, when, if you go out there, out into the world, there are little giants, I can tell you, who will do everything they can to stop you living the life that you need to live as a Christian. But as we know later on, Abraham was going to overcome those, the Canaanites. And in verse 7, it says the following, The Lord appeared to Abraham and said, To your descendants I will give this land. So here are all the enemies... Here are the Canaanites in the land, and yet God said, I'm going to give you this land. And if you were to read in some of the other chapters, Lot tried to do it his way, and Abraham did it God's way, and who prospered? But it says in verse 8, and he moved from there to the mountain east of Bethel. Bethel means house of God. And he pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and with Ai on the east. And it says, and there he built an altar to the Lord, and he called upon the name of the Lord. So having arrived in the land, what was the first thing he did? Was he worshipped God, that, that God had brought him that far. He dedicated what he was going to do in the land to God. And he did it at the place that is called the house of God. So there we find Abraham in the land. And if we were to read on a bit further, we find that due to a famine, they went on to Egypt. And there were issues there. But this morning, I just want to leave us, having just looked briefly at the life of Abraham, I just want to leave us with a challenge, which should be on my last slide, I think. And that is, number one, have you responded to call of God in your life? God wants to call each and every one of us to walk with him. Not only does he want us to be saved, he wants us to be a changed people. That's the one thing I've realized over and over and over, that we are not to be like we were 40 years ago or three years ago or whatever it was. God calls us to walk with him to reach eventually our promised land, whatever that is. As Christians, what has God called you to? I feel that's a chance. I can very clearly say God spoke to me. He told me about two things. Number one, that I would preach God's words. And number two, I would have a hand on technology and make it sweet. And I am pursuing both of those with as much effort as I can. That's why I spend, you know, when you said, when Liz said to me about, you doesn't seem to be quite a lot of relaxing. Well, actually, I know what God's called me to do. And actually, studying God's word, I'm finding it increasingly relaxing. To pull things together, to get an understanding of how it all fits. 
because I know what that, but I know what God's called me to do, and I know how I'm responding to that call. And the challenge to us as Christians is, have we responded to what God's called me to do? And you may say, I don't know what God's called you to do. Well, can I tell you what he's called you to do? Is Number one, he's called you to pray. Seek his face and walk with him wherever he places you. That might be in the supermarket. We know, Helen and I know an elderly lady who used to shop in Waitrose. This was prior to lockdown. In those days, Waitrose used to give you a free free newspaper and a cup of coffee if you spent more than £30 at a time on your shopping. So she used to go twice a week, do her shopping in Waitrose, claim her free coffee, sit with the newspaper and evangelise in Waitrose and pray for people in Waitrose. That was her mission fields. And people used to come on a regular basis and they'd say, will you pray for me? And these were non-Christians. Will you pray for me? I've got this going on or I've got that going on or whatever. And she had, her church was called Waitrose. And can I say, on a, a number of occasions, one occasion, one, for a short period of time, she became unwell. And she had a phone call from the manager of Waitrose asking if she was all right because people were asking after her. That was her mission field. God called her to sit on the high stools in Waitrose drinking her free coffee and the top-ups that the manager used to bring her. But that's what God had called her to do. We are finding increasingly that uh, when we got our, our two dogs, that we are engaging in conversation with people that we never thought possible. And that's where God has called us to. And finally, have you got stuck and actually need to move on? Come before the Lord, I would say, and just say, Lord, I'm sorry. Now move me on. Because we need to be those who hear that at the end. A good and faithful servant, enter into your rest. Amen.